Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. Happy. Is it Tuesday? It doesn't even feel like a Tuesday to me at all. That's right. Um, Earlier, PD asked which day of the week Thursday was. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm we're sorry. All, we're all thriving after a big weekend <laughs> in Tucson. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. So we're we're all rested now and back and ready to face the week ahead. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, but speaking of Tucson. Mm-hmm. On Saturday night, we interviewed Matias Michelli live on the PHNX Coyotes show. And after Sunday night's or Sunday's game, he got uh, called up to the Coyotes. So feeling yeah, like what, we had a little bit of a, I'm just kidding. I don't know <laughs> if you noticed, Leah, that. we had JJ Moser on. And guess where he's been since that interview? Arizona. Michelli. Coincidence? Eh, we'll see. Even Jay Verity get called up after we had him on the True. show. True. So Carcone is next. <laughs> Carcone is next. Don't laugh. He might be. But yeah, it's, I mean, we all knew it was a matter of time. We've been saying it on the show for a while that, you know, he, he was recalled before and then he tested positive for COVID. So he couldn't play. But we all knew he was going to be back up. And then with with a couple of injuries to Andrew Ladd and Liam O'Brien, you have a spot for him and he's he's earned it anyway. So I don't know if Matias Matias Michelli is going to go back down to Tucson. I, and that's one of the things that we've talked about as well. I wonder where he'll be next season. But he has certainly earned this recall with the season that he's having. As we have reported, he is second all-time for points in a single season by a Tucson Roadrunner. He was on track to break it. I don't think he's going to break it now, but he was obviously having a really, really productive season. Do you think that Michelli is going to stay on the Coyotes till the end of the season now? I have to believe he is. I mean, you got two months left, and the the unless here, I'll, I'll say this: the Roadrunners, the playoff situation down in the AHL is weird, right? You get seven of nine teams in the Pacific in. The Roadrunners aren't even in in that spot right now. But should they maybe climb into playoff position? Maybe, as PD has mentioned earlier, you want him to be in that playoff fire, so maybe you need to get him back down, reacclimated with his teammates before they start the postseason. But short of that. I don't really see a reason why you would send him down again at this point. Well, the only other reason you might, and, and it's if it's if that becomes a little bit of a revolving door from the American League. Maybe it's Carcone gets a shot at it. Maybe you bring Yannick up or, or Ben McCartney, and you kind of give guys a little taste. That may happen also as the roster gets expanded, because the last thing you want to do with Matias Michelli, first of all, I think you need to put him in a position where he fits and he has an opportunity to succeed. And that does not mean playing him nine minutes a game towards the bottom of the lineup. If you're going to put him in the lineup, I think he needs to play top six minutes and get rewarded with offensive starts, power play time, whether it's second power play or not, let him succeed. Don't have him be in and out of the lineup and on the fourth line. So maybe it's get a taste. And and to Craig's point, if they win a couple of games down there, I still believe playoffs in the American league is more meaningful to him in his development than games that don't matter up here towards the end of the year. Very true. So that being said, where do you see him fitting into this Coyotes lineup? I kind of Thursday. work in progress. I mean, he he's going to play with Alex Galchenyuk in the next game, but we'll, we'll see. You know, lines are so fluid in the NHL. You just don't know what's going to click until you try pieces together. So we'll see. 
especially with this team and, and you've talked about we you know where 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 does it end up after the trade deadline you know Travis Boyd's been a mainstay between Keller and Schmaltz but if he moves along and we've talked at length about Barrett Hayton jumping into that spot well that opens another hole um so it's it is going to be a very fluid situation over the next two months on what this lineup a who's in it for personnel and B where guys are playing throughout that lineup. So I, I do think it's going to be a great opportunity for some of these American league players to get a chance to see and play in the national hockey league, to see the speed and see what they need to work on over the summer and in preparation for next year's training camp. Now, Matias Michelli, he was a dynamic player over the American league all season. Can he translate that in the national league? And can he do it over a period of time? I guess is to be seen, but I, I still think to Bill Armstrong's point about overbaking, I still think it's really early, but I still think he needs to play in the American League more than he has already. Well, speaking of fluid lineups, Jay Beagle has been skating in a non-contact jersey, and Craig, you had reported that he would be back by the trade deadline. Does it seem like he's still on track for that? Yeah, I think so. Bill Armstrong told me that uh, maybe like nine days ago that he was going. He had started skating, and they expected him to be back by the deadline. Of course, Jay Beagle's another guy you wonder about at the deadline, given his experience, the fact that he plays center, he's won a cup. There's there's a lot that he can bring to a team in a in a depth role. Teams are always looking for center depth, just the way they're looking for defensive depth. So we'll see how long he, he's with the Coyotes. Maybe he'll be gone in three weeks. Yeah, the, I would have. I would have think his likelihood of being gone if he would have been healthy through this entire stretch. I think he would be one of those guys that we talk about along with Boyd and uh, maybe same thing with Larson. He's another guy that's been injured for so long that I think would have been in this group of guys that would have been shopped around that could fill a need somewhere. Um, if Beagle can get up and running, there's a lot of time, and if he can get back to where he was before the injury, I, I think you're probably right. And that's people look at the trade deadline for these massive chicken type deals the reality is there's a lot more of the travis boyd mm-hmm. johan larson type deals to fill in little holes throughout your lineup than there are those big massive deals at the trade line usually and also something i feel like we see at the trade deadline a lot too or at least for the teams that end up winning it is bringing in not even like super high big splashy name skill guys but it's it is the depth guys like beagle the ones who have cup experience the ones who are veterans and that's the thing that makes a locker room click and the playoff hockey is so different than regular season and it's almost more of a locker room element than anything else so yeah. it'll be really interesting to see and the deadline i cannot believe it is just under three weeks away it's march I'm- how is it March? Like we're this year. I don't, I don't even know what's going on, but um, you know, there were some moves made by the Coyotes in the last couple of weeks, but it's been kind of quiet on the trade front around the NHL um, so far, but it might be the calm before the storm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's always the way it is, right? We have all this hype that in the hype's been going since December this year. And then very little happens until the deadline GMs, GMs need deadlines. They, they need pressure to, commit to action and especially this year we've talked about this as well there are so many sellers there are eight teams in the east that are already sellers there are at least three teams in the west that are sellers probably more you know after you read what pat perbeek said uh, about what the ducks are going to do so there's a lot on the market there's a lot to consider and and as usually is the case we're going to see most of the moves right up at the deadline um and and like you said leah a, a lot of these moves will be not the sexy moves that people are talking about 
somebody want to might want to improve their penalty killing. They might want a, a good face-off guy. They just might want an extra body because the playoffs are a war of attrition. You have injuries. You you have guys out of the lineup, so you need an extra body. All that stuff has to be taken into consideration as well. And you're talking about these deadlines, and you, you look at you have to see as the, the you know playoff standings shape up. There may be different players available as this goes on. And, and to your point, Craig in, in Anaheim, like you look at a defense, and we keep talking about Chikrin, but the price for Chikrin may be different than a Manson or a Lindholm. Like you, you could have a different. You have to wait because who's going to be there? I, I think so. I I do think there are going to be a flurry of moves right at the deadline again, but I'm just not sure that they're going to be those high high names. One, it's, it's you got to trying to fit those guys under your cap, which is incredibly difficult, and you don't want to disrupt your room. You don't want to ruin the chemistry. I I really believe this season more than most, it's going to be a lot more sprinkling than it is splash. Well, I'm really excited for it, and we'll probably. Well, not probably. We will have a trade deadline show on March 21st. So, because um, I'm, sh- I can imagine that there'll be a lot of Coyotes players in the mix there. But we know the Coyotes are one of the sellers because that is just the nature of the the time we are going through. Um, a couple days off here for the Coyotes till third. They don't play till Thursday. This has been a really long homestand. <laughs> Um, and then the Coyotes go on an East East Coast road trip next week. What? How do you go from being at home for, I mean, how long have they been here? Like two weeks to then all of a sudden back on the road? Like how does that affect a team mentally? Yeah. Do they like long homestands like this? Do they like it being more mixed up? Like what's the mentality toward homestands and road trips? They haven't played a road game. Am I correct here? Oh, my God. Since – February 9th at wow. Seattle. That's crazy. I mean, that is like crazy. almost a full month. Six days or seven days off. Then they they started this stretch of home games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a month that they've been at home. It's nuts. Yeah, it's hard. I think you, you don't want to have any extended – you don't want to be home for too long. You don't want to be on the road for too long. But you also don't want to do the one-offs. That was the one thing that coaches always complained about, that we were at home and we travel for one game and then we're back. Or we're – out on the road traveling and you travel home for one game and then back out. You want to establish, you know, two, three, four games that are either on the road or at home. So you can get in that kind of a rhythm. Um, this has been interesting to be at home for this long. And you look at this road trip too. It's not just like they're going to LA, San Jose and Anaheim. They're out East and they're, this is a tough trip. This is yeah. a tough trip this time of year. Um, and it's cold. It's cold, and it's you. It's eighty-five degrees here in Arizona. It's not eighty-five <laughs> in Toronto, Boston, and Detroit. Trust yeah. me. This is the road trip coming up: Detroit, Toronto, Boston, Ottawa, and Montreal. One, two, three, four, five games in seven days. Another Eight key days. game at Montreal. Yeah, yeah, that that that's the last game of the trip too. We'll see. <laughs> that's gonna be huge. The Tankathon on the fifteenth. So uh, keep your eye on the fifteenth and Montreal. Yeah, that that's one. If I if I could sit out, I might sit that one. That's a tough trip. Oof, Trust me, brother. Games. I'm sitting it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be sitting here in the sun. Just we'll Canada, it from here. Canada's still too iffy with travel. I just it's I don't feel comfortable with that quite yet. But if we talk about the schedule ahead too, and you look at these cities, these are some cities that the Coyotes have had some success in over the years. Toronto, even when the Toronto teams have been much better in the standings, the Coyotes have competed there. Boston. 
Well, okay, they don't do extremely well in Boston. Hey, they but, had a competitive game against Boston earlier in the year. Ottawa and Montreal. Not won a home game against Boston since. Can you guys answer this question? Wait, no. the Coyotes haven't Boston, had a Boston Boston home game. They haven't won in a game where Boston was the home team since. I don't know. 2015? Nope. 2010. Oh. <laughs> they haven't won in Boston in 12 years. In Prague. In Prague. Designated. That's the last. <laughs> so their last win as Boston as the whole team was in another country. Well, yeah. There you go. Great. So if you're a, so if you're a betting person, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. That's actually a really interesting. Yes. yes. That they haven't wow. won in Boston in 12 years. Whoops. Yeah. yeah, you can bet the Boston money line on that one pretty confidently. Well, I want to get to something that has been coming up daily for the last few days since this was reported a few days ago. Um, the Coyotes meeting with the NHLPA and NHLPA had Don Fair and Matthew Schneider here in a meeting with the Coyotes players and Coyotes president Javier Gutierrez as well. And, you know, there's there's been some... Loose reports, nothing really concrete coming out of it besides what we've already heard. Um, so we just wanted to make sure we addressed it. Um, thoughts on just, I guess, the meeting that happened and if, if it's actually anything new or just something that's already been going on. Yeah, I mean, the 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 PA and the Coyotes have been in talks. They were in talks all of February, and, and we've reported that actually a couple of times. In fact, we've had statements from the PA uh, to, to that effect. And, and I can't say that there's really anything new to report. The PA has significant concerns about the Coyotes playing in an arena of ASU size. We don't know what seating capacity is going to be there yet, so I'm not going to even say that at this point. It's all about hockey-related revenue, right? Um, the players are concerned that this is going to further cut into their share of the pie. And right now, there's not a lot that the Coyotes can say other than speculation, right? They don't know what everything's going to look like until they get in there, until they finalize their their ticketing situation, their seating capacity, their sponsorships. There's so much to iron out that there's there's really not a a lot of answers right now for players. You understand their concern, but I don't I don't know what more there is to report until they have some of those issues resolved. Of course, Javier is going to meet with the team and tell them after he's gone and toured ASU that. This is our plan, and we're going to try and fill you in as best we can. But there's just not a lot of answers right now. And Craig, when you've talked to the league, like, really, bottom line, does the PA really have much recourse here? They can kick their feet in the sand and be mad about it, but is there really much that they can do? No, and I've reported that as well. There's really not much within the CBA, not much recourse for them. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what sort of grievances. I, I don't know what the entire process is going to be. And again, I've I've mentioned I'm hoping to, to speak to Don Fair at some point when when they can speak on the record, but but thus far it's just been statements. And I think the league knew all along when it went ahead with this plan that the PA really didn't have any teeth in its argument. They really couldn't do much about it. So that's where we are right now. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of discussion around this, but I just think it's positive that there's a lot of transparency um, going forward with this now. And you mentioned it, the, the NHLPA has given statements time and time again, dating back to early February, late January. So um, it, it's nothing new. And if there is anything new that's to come or you know, someone speaking on the record about what happened specifically in that meeting besides anything loose, we will report it. Craig will report it um, either on Twitter or at gophnext.com. So you want to make sure you're tuned in. 
What? Did you want me to read that statement? The, the most yeah, go, go for it because this is from February 10th. So it yeah, just goes to show how long people are like, Oh my God, they're, they're meeting with the coyotes. Well, again, they've been doing this for a month. This, this is, this is not new that the PA and the league are meeting to discuss this situation. Here's the statement that I received from the PA on February 10th, which is a long time ago. We are presently in discussions with the NHL and the club about concerns raised by the coyotes agreement to play in the new, but much smaller arena at ASU. Obviously, this works only in the short term while a new arena is built. We trust that plans will be finalized and construction will begin as soon as possible. And what's what's not said explicitly in here, but what I've been told is that, again, hockey-related revenue is the issue, as we've discussed. So, yes, they, 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 they met again. Javier met with the players. But, again, these discussions have been going for a long time. Still not a lot of answers right now, and I don't think we will have answers until the coyotes finalize all of their plans for this arena well you know that when all of that happens craig will be reporting it because that's what he does and if you want to read that you can at gophnx.com become a member sign up for a year membership you get a shirt when you sign up if you want to try month to month you can get your first month just 50 cents um craig's boko imama story is published this morning it's a really great read i highly highly recommend it um got to talk to him on the Tucson weekend. So great story, always great stories and great reporting and not just from Craig, but all of the great and talented writers across PHNX and members also get uh, members deals on merchandise weekly and access to the members only discord, which we're in pretty much daily. So a lot of perks to becoming a member at go PHNX. All right, let's talk about some news around the NHL because there's a lot of things going on around the NHL, a lot of things going around on, around the world that are affecting the NHL. And one of those things is the situation in Russia. And this week, the IIHF suspended all Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from double IHF competition until further notice and withdrew hosting rights of the 2023 world juniors from Russia. The NHL also released a statement um, condemning Russia and, and pulling back from their partnerships, including Russian language websites and things like that. So thoughts on this? I mean, obviously there's a lot of nuance to all of this, but were you expecting this move, surprised by it? What are your thoughts? Well, the IHF in particular was under pressure because they hadn't taken these drastic steps before. Um, they were under a lot of pressure from the international community. So clearly they they listened and they and they bent their knee to to those concerns. But this just, I, I guess this just underscores the level of global concern with what's happening in Ukraine right now. It um, look, you 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 can you can say a lot of things about it, you can voice your opinion, but we all know that you got to put your money where your mouth is to impact Russia. The way to impact Russia is to impact Russia economically. And that's what these various bodies are trying to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it, no, I, I'm just digesting it. Like you're listening. Like you, it's such a hard area with the IAHF had to respond. It's an international, it's a worldwide body that, that, has representation from actual countries where it gets a little more grave for me is when you talk about the national hockey league and what their response as a league has been is they've they've stopped their their russian side of their website they've stopped russian translations of their highlights and and that's what they've done as a league 
But the question where it gets a little gray for me is what's the responsibility for the individual clubs and the individual players with the Russian um, nationality backgrounds. That's where it gets gray for me. And, and I'm not sure. I really don't know how these players need to respond. Should respond. Should they stay out of it? Like to me that I, I, I don't know. Like Leah's from Canada. If something happens in Canada, we go, Hey Leah, you better say something. Cause you're Canadian. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily their responsibility. It's political. This is a sport. This is a game. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to walk a fine line and be passionate and caring for other people's. But I also, this is hockey. It's not politics. The way I approach this as a reporter is a source becomes a source worth talking to if they are directly related to a topic. And somebody simply being Russian does not make them directly related to what Vladimir Putin decided to do. And I will say this, even though it's probably going to upset some of my listeners, did we ask American players for their thoughts when Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government? No, we did not, because they're not directly tied to it. Now, if they had campaigned specifically for Donald Trump, they would have been fair game. And that's why I think Alex Ovechkin was fair game for questions. He was openly supportive and campaigning for Vladimir Putin. At that point, he becomes directly tied to Vladimir Putin, and he deserves to answer those questions. I had no problem with any of that. There's also this narrative out there with uh, other players that you, you shouldn't be asking any Russian players because their families are in danger. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if you guys follow Slava Malamud on on Twitter, he is an outspoken critic of Putin. He has written for Russian Machine Don't, you know, the, the website Russian Machine Don't Break, things like that. He has family in Russia and he has insisted that this narrative is false. His family is not in danger and he's literally gone as far as saying, I want Putin dead. And his family doesn't feel as in danger. So I don't know whether there's truth or not. Dan Milstein, the agent for some Russian players, has raised concerns, wants security for the players here. I don't know if that's real or not. That's that's something that probably warrants deeper reporting. But in terms of who is obligated to speak, again, I only think it's people who are directly tied to the situation. Alex Ovechkin is directly tied because of his role with Vladimir Putin. Other Russian players, simply because of their nationality, are not. Yeah, it's a very um, complex situation. And like you said, one that probably requires some more deeper dives into knowing what's really going on. But, um, you know, I'm sure this is not going to be the last we're going to hear about this as this situation all starts to unfold. So we'll we'll continue to keep tabs on that as well. Um, all right, shifting back to the NHL itself, the Chicago Blackhawks have finally committed to a general manager, Kyle Davidson, just 33 years old. Uh, does a young GM sound familiar to anyone? Um, Kyle Davidson, he's been the interim GM of the Blackhawks. They're removing the interim title. Thoughts on Kyle Davidson? Oh, I mean, he's, he's been the assistant GM for two years. I don't listen. I don't know enough about Kyle Davidson to say whether he's experienced enough to hold this chair, but it was, it was kind of amusing to watch the extended search that the Blackhawks did. And they brought in some of their, their big names like Marion Hossa and Patrick Sharp and Eddie Olchek to sit on the committee. To me, that felt like window dressing. Those weren't the guys making the decision. They were just popular Blackhawks. This is a team trying basically in damage control because of all the bad press that the organization has received recently. But you do this wide search and then you end up 
sticking with a guy who's right in house all along. Not necessarily a bad decision, but it was just kind of weird. Yeah, he just literally has to move down the hall a few feet. We brought, and this is a team that brought in representatives from the Chicago Bears, trying to think outside the box and do things different. They had Cubs interviewing for the job, baseball guys. Like they're really trying to show, hey, we're progressive, we're thinking outside the box, but we'll hire the guy down the hall. So I, I don't know. I literally don't know the guy. Don't know if this is a great decision, bad decision, good hire, bad hire. No absolutely no opinion the chicago blackhawks have a ways to go right now um I, this team is the way they're built they're gonna have to really address it they're up against it they traded for some really big name players hoping to make a playoff push this year and it just didn't happen he's got a tough 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 job on his hands you got an interim coach you got a team that's got all kinds of issues off the ice still and a black cloud falling around and you got players that you've signed to multi-year big big contracts that aren't producing the way they had hoped <laughs> good choice bad choice he has got one hell of a job here in the next several months to get this back on track yeah i don't really know much about him but i will say you know i think that they needed a new perspective and a new voice so hopefully i don't know because he said he's been but he's not really new because he's been there so i don't know it's a wait and see game for the blackhawks i think craig is literally sprinting away to get a, a cowbell oh my gosh he's <laughs> running back he's running he has a bell it is a large bell okay there it is it's official you should have brought that to tucson yeah craig come Holy on we, yeah that should you could been. use that for your workouts and in the morning gone. that thing is massive and <laughs> you imagine that press conference like pd you were just talking about this you know we're, we're progressive we're we're looking at all sorts of candidates and then uh, again and i don't i don't want to disparage kyle davidson in any way but then you roll out the guy that was in the house all along it's going to be a weird news conference and and there's a, a side of me that wonders if if this guy's just a pigeon for <laughs> for the next few years through what's going to be a brutal brutal dismantling and rebuild of an organization and will he even come out the other side of yeah. it was he just a cheap convenient option for the interim to get through it yeah to get through it yeah and it may be i think the future is going to be difficult in chicago in the short term yeah yeah agree we'll see how that one it's kind of a wait and see much like the coyotes rebuild where you know you're putting in all these things in place now you have to see how it's going to pay off down the line so we'll give him a chance to prove himself um, speaking of Coyotes, former Coyotes, Brendan Perlini, a uh, member of the Edmonton Oilers, or was until he was waived by the team. And his own mom actually tweeted that he found out from her via Twitter. And then I think she's since deleted that tweet. So a little bit messy up in Edmonton, which I feel like somehow we manage to talk about Edmonton every single time we go around the NHL. Um, we talk about but, dysfunctional franchises, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a better segue. But, man, that's – I don't know. <laughs> I feel badly for him. And, yeah, she deleted it. Um, it, it drew a lot of attention, and, I, and I, I know that's why she deleted it, actually. But, you know, she, did, she didn't want to call negative attention to him in any way. But it's that's that's just – it's just bad form by the Oilers. Look, it was probably a mistake. Somebody didn't deliver the message that they were supposed to, but don't make that mistake. That's an important piece of information to pass along to the player before it gets out there. That's just, it's just it reminds me of the flurry thing in Vegas. 
Yeah, and you know what? You, there's so many moving parts to get that to happen. The paperwork getting it filed, the team's on the road, so you're not sitting right with them. I'm not, not making any excuses whatsoever. This, before that form gets, the waiver form goes to the NHL, the player should know, hey, there absolutely needs to be a phone call if they're traveling and you're not in the same room with them. And if they're there, pull them on the hallway. You're right there. Pull them. Hey, Brennan, you're going on wait. Just letting you know you're going on waivers today. We're going to keep you off the ice today or, or just be like, you need to let them know. Like, isn't that just common sense? And I, and I guess it just, it tends to to show where they're at in Edmonton right now and where their priorities are and what they're thinking about. There's a lot going on with that franchise. And I don't know if, if that team doesn't make the playoffs. Now what? Like, I, good grief. Anyway, for Brandon Pellini, here's something else we'll speak to. Cause I, I, I came up in the Coyotes members discord a lot. A lot of players, hey, the, the, the Coyotes should claim Brendan Perlini off waivers and add him back to this line and put him back together with Kraus. And what? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, just, I, I don't know. Hmm. I'm going to say no. Like, I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't honestly, I don't see where that fits in anything. I like Brendan Perlini. Great guy. Craig's done many, many interviews with him. Unbelievably interesting human being, bright, intelligent. I just don't know where that fits in the rebuild that the Coyotes are going through right now. How Brendan Perlini either helps progress the rebuild or helps fill holes. I, I don't see that move. So unfortunately, to the people that were that were excited about it, I just don't think that's a thing. And now that I've said that, expect the announcement in the next hour that Brendan <laughs> Perlini is now a Coyote. I don't see that happening either. No, I, but well, hey, welcome to Coyotes fandom. Any player that gets waived, I get asked, uh, uh, will the Coyotes consider claiming him? Will they claim him? Will they... No, by and large, they will not. And by and large, guys are on waivers for a reason because they're having a hard time establishing themselves as NHL regulars. And that's clearly been the case with Brendan Perlini. Yeah, like Petey, what, he's on my all-interview team. I absolutely love talking to Brendan Perlini. He's such a fascinating, deep, complex guy. But... I don't see him becoming a coyote again. I just hope that, you know, whatever situation comes next for him works out. He's played in Europe before. Maybe he'll consider doing that again, but maybe he'll, uh, first of all, maybe he'll get another chance. Maybe he'll he'll find another NHL home or he'll get back with Edmonton at some point soon. Well, speaking of finding NHL chances, um, Pateri Lind, Lind, Lindbaum. Oh my gosh. Lindbaum? Did I say that right? Yeah, it's been a while since I've like stumbled over a name like that, <laughs> but um, just helped Finland win a gold medal at the Olympics and he just signed a contract with the Florida Panthers. Florida is definitely a team that is buying and not selling. So how does this move shape Florida's lineup and how does it possibly affect what Florida could be doing at the deadline? And Florida is one of the teams we've talked about being involved in a potential trick room trade thoughts on this move i don't know this feels more like a depth player doesn't it Petey? yeah he's more of a defender than he is an offensive guy to replace what jacob chicken can provide to a team but he just gives this team depth and it's a free pickup at the, we talked about at the olympics we said somebody's going to get a look he happens to be the guy off a gold medal team that's going to get a look um the bigger question to me is can he clear waivers because he's He's got to get through waivers before he can join the Florida Panthers. So is there another team going, oh, shit, we didn't think of that. Here's a guy that we can just get for free. So, you know, by the end of the day, we'll see if he's ending going to Florida, if he ends up going somewhere else. But it's just teams getting ready and jockeying for that playoff position to look for more depth, especially at the defense position. 
And that's one thing that is cool about the Olympics this year is it kind of, you know, since there were no NHL players, you had to imagine that that would give teams a good look at some players and give players who might not be on the radar a chance to prove themselves. So, you know, this is one of those where a player is getting an opportunity. So we'll see how things turn out in Florida. They're hot. And we will get to that in a second because it's time for the standings watch, which includes tank watch, but also the top of the standings watch. It's, you know, we're approaching the trade deadline playoffs are just around the corner, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're betting on futures now, you know, things are starting to shake out. So if you want to get odds in now before things start to get what like to be lower odds, you can do that on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And there is a new deal this week. It's not NBA anymore. It is UFC. So this week, new customers at DraftKings can bet $1 on the main event UFC 272 this Saturday. Bet $1 on the main event and get $150 in free bets no matter what. So this is a good deal because it really doesn't depend on anyone winning or not. You just bet a dollar on the UFC this Saturday. First round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, you get paid. Double knockout resulting in a no contest ruling, you get $100 in free bets no matter what. I might have said $150, I meant $100, but still, great deal. Doesn't depend on winning or losing. So be sure to take up that offer this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up using that promo code PHNX, bet $1 on UFC 272 main event, and get $100 in free bets no matter what happens in the fight. That's 21 and over. Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1 800 next step. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. So, Leah, did you get your invite? To the UFC? To Craig's house. Craig's house. Oh, the watch, watch along it. for the UFC. Do you know how dialed in Craig and I are to the UFC? We are so excited. I, like, I'm still day. not dialed into the UFC. I didn't know if I should say 272 or 272. <laughs> yeah, Craig, like, I don't Craig know how I, that works. <laughs> I will be there. It's Conor McGregor, UFC. Uh, uh, the people this week is Covington and Moss Vittle. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Craig's been waiting. UFC. Craig you know, I'm waiting. sure they'll have something on the PHNX Daily Bet show about oh, this it, because Shane's dialed into you. I will say this, Craig, and, and I, because I do honestly watch the bet show with Shane Diefenbach. This kid, how in the hell does he know everything about everything? Like, I watched him, he did a UFC show and he knew every guy, every fight. Oh, yeah, that guy did that. Like, how the hell does he do that? It's like almost like a good, savant that he knows yeah, all this shit. He's got two good parents. <laughs> oh, that's why. Okay. Moving oh, on. Man. Well, I'm not dialed into the UFC, but I am dialed into the NHL standings because it's very fascinating. And let's start with Hot because we were just talking about Florida, who is now the top, but not by win percentage because Tampa is coming in hot, won oh, four straight, um, just a point behind Florida. But man, uh, Flor- I want to see Florida Tampa in the playoffs. Give it to me. I do, and that, and first place in that division is so important. You're talking about Tampa, Florida, and Toronto, right? Yeah. I, I, honestly, like you just look at the East. There's a couple things to talk about the East. The eight positions are set. I mean, barring some miracle that Columbus and Detroit can claw their way back into this thing, and they're we're talking ten points out at this time of the year is incredibly difficult to come up. So, 
the eight are set, but the juggling and the positioning within those eight changes literally every single day. And that Florida-Tampa matchup to get that home ice advantage through the first two rounds is massive. Like those two might, I want to say they might be the two best team in the league, but then you go, well, yeah, it could be Boston. No, it might be Toronto. Maybe it's Carolina. Like it's, there's so many good teams out east. east is incredible. Wow. That's going to be exciting hockey. I literally can't wait for that. I said literally twice in the same sentence. Yeah. I a lot. Watch that. This is going to be an extremely tight race in the Eastern Conference for playoff positioning. And once they get started, this is going to be fun, fun hockey to watch. I don't know who you want to draw in the first round. Like I, I mentioned how important uh, winning that division is for, for home ice and maybe getting, you know, an easier draw in the first round. But right now that that draw looks like it might be the Washington Capitals. Washington Capitals. Yeah. And Alex Ovechkin. And, and listen, they're not playing good hockey. The Capitals have not been playing good hockey for some time. So I, I wonder about them. But that might be the easiest matchup in, in the Eastern Conference other than potentially another team that's not necessarily playing so well, the Rangers right now, who are still in danger, by the way. If, if it hadn't been for the cap slip, they might have fallen into a wild card spot themselves. I don't – the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be unbelievable, Petey. Yeah, and you look at the Rangers, it's interesting to me because they have some high-end talent. Zabenajad Kreider is one of the top goal scorers in the league. Panarin – but the leader of this team and the current MVP of the Rangers is Igor Shesterkin. Without the goaltending, I don't know where this team is. And you be yeah. careful because this team is so close to moving out of the third place spot in the Metropolitan and sliding down to one of these wild card spots. You get them in the wild card. Now they're facing Carolina, Florida, or Tampa in the first round. Uh oh, like yeah. the, the matchups are, it's just hard to predict because even Boston, who's been kind of up and down that wild card spot all year, they've won five in a row. And boy, do they look good, man. Like mm. they, they, since they moved Pasternak down to the second line with Hall and Halla and the recent um, promotion to, to Jake DeBrus to the top line with Marshawn and Bergeron, that top six in Boston is frightening. Yeah. I don't know where the weak spot is in the Eastern Conference. I don't know where the weak, easy game is in those top eight. I just don't know. Oh, she's back. Um, they, yep. You know, Backstrom hopefully will be back by playoffs. They'll have everybody back in Washington. That's been an injuries have been their story. You get a healthy Washington team. I, I don't see a weak spot in their top eight. I just don't. They're very, very good hockey. The only one to me, the Toronto Maple Leafs need to sort out their goaltending. Jack Campbell, you thought was the answer. And of late, he has slipped a little bit, and that could be a concern that they might have to beat teams eight to five. How about to, that ten seven game? The exactly. Other day? And I don't, I don't think Campbell played that game, but man, no, it was Morazic, and they left him out to dry. But th th that's the truth. Like there, even that team, and that's been a weakness of late. If Campbell gets hot again, like he did early in the year, that's a team that clearly can score goals. So where is the weak matchup in the Eastern Conference? I, I don't see it. I it's, think we're going to have four unbelievable series. We didn't even talk about Carolina. And unfortunately, they get forgotten. They get forgotten because they're there. My goodness. If you've seen the highlights in the morning of this Carolina team, oh, my God. Their puck movement, speed, ability to get to the net, they're phenomenal. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I know it's two months away, but that Eastern Conference playoffs, and thank goodness the games are going to be at four. So I can tune in. <laughs> Jack Campbell did appear in that game. They they split time in that game uh, because they were having such uh, a tough time. Oh. He faced twenty five shots and gave up five goals. So, yeah, that's that's something to watch with Toronto. Like like Toronto Maple Leaf fans, Leah among them, need something else to worry about in the postseason for a team that hasn't 
won a playoff series since the uh, you know, five lockout. <laughs> you had to go there, Craig. You had to go there. Yes. Well, we talked to the, those are the hot teams, which is just crazy to see the winning streaks or the number of games won recently but there's still two full months left in the season so anything can turn the tides can turn and I do think that the east is set but it is just interesting to see um but on the west Vegas and Minnesota who've been you know central division leaders this entire season they're kind of struggling a little bit yeah Minnesota I I hear a lot of people praise Minnesota early every season they go on runs where you think oh my god this team is unbeatable I'm never fully on board with the wild. <laughs> I'm never fully on board with their ability to do much damage in the postseason. I've liked this team this year. This is one of the surprise teams for me. I had them in the playoffs this year, but they've been very good because of their depth and their fourth line right now. You added Duhame, you've, you've uh, got Bugstead. They've got four deep lines that can play. They've had a little bit of injury issues. The, the drop off of late, and I'll, I'll just think of a map right now in your head. And this is where the drop-off happened in the last week. They played the first game of a four-game road trip in Edmonton, Alberta, on the west side of Canada. The next game they played was in Ottawa on the east side, then Toronto. You know where they finished the road trip? Calgary. Ew. Who the hell is the schedule maker there? The same one who writes the Coyote schedule. Exactly. So you start off on the west, go to the east for two, come back to the west – Good Lord. Like Calgary may be one of the most difficult teams to play on the road as it is. And they're nine and one in their last 10. So let's put them out east first. So let's, they have some, they've got Buffalo on their schedule, Philadelphia on their schedule coming up, Detroit, Columbus, non-playoff teams coming up. So let's see where they end up after that week. I still like this Minnesota team. Um, Greenway needs to get back to the lineup and Dumba has been out for a while. So let's see where they end up. The one for me is Vegas. Like, boy, have they dropped off. Lost to the Coyotes last week. It's Jack. It's Jack Eichel's fault. It is. And and the truth to the Vegas nightmare, Laner comes back today. He's missed time. You got Mark Stone, Alec Martinez, Nolan Patrick, Max Pacioretty, and Matthias Janmark all on the IR. We talk about the pieces out of the Coyotes that are missing. These are huge pieces to this Vegas Golden Knight team thing about Vegas, like you, you say that and you're like, okay, when they get healthy, they'll be fine. But they're so close to the playoff cutoff line that they're, they're not necessarily going to get in right now. And I, I don't know if you guys saw the report from Edmonton, by the way, another team that's struggling to get in. Well, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to be out week to week with an upper body injury. That's a big loss for the Oilers, a team that does not have a lot of depth up front to begin with. So this this whole playoff picture in the in the West beyond the the, the top few teams is is really murky. I do. Yeah, have you to, talked to, oh, oh, sorry, man. I was just gonna say I do have to say the one nice thing about just like fully embracing the Coyotes being bad this year is like you don't have to go through the anxiety and the angst as a fan of any of these teams. Like these teams fans are probably going through. But in the East, you say they're all set, and, when, and you know the ninth place team in the East is ten points out. Within 10 points of that last playoff spot, you've got five more teams in the Western Conference. And I think San Jose is, you know, they're seven points out. And I think that's, they're not going to make it. And Winnipeg, you've seen that Winnipeg team, if they get good goaltending, that, you know, it's not, that's six points out. Like six points is three games. And Vegas, to me, 
who's a team that everybody here and myself included picked to be, if not winning the West right behind Colorado and definitely winning the Pacific, they're one or two losses away from being out of the playoff picture, nearly 60 games in. Yeah. Whoops. It's, it's hard to, these, these teams are so up and down too. like Vancouver. I thought, wow, they're heating up and they were going into New Jersey last night. I thought if they get this win, they're at 60 points and they're, they're right there. And then they just get bombed by the devils. It's like, what's going on in the middle pack of the West? It's just so unpredictable what's going to happen night to night. Yeah, and I still think the cream of the crop there is Colorado. Uh, clearly, they're the best team. They're a team that's going to push for the President's Trophy. They're elite in, in the NHL. The surprise for me truly has been the Calgary Flames. And they are, after watching them play in Arizona, that is a really, really good hockey team. They've got great goaltending. They're able to score. To fully being added to that team gives them secondary scoring. They play tough. Um, I don't know if I'd want to face the Calgary Flames early. And that's why Vegas can't fall to the wild card. What if you play the Calgary Flames first and you're bounced? What, what then? For, a, for an ownership that wants to win the Stanley Cup and you get bounced in the first round? Uh-oh. You know, I just did the math. I was sitting here quietly doing the math. If the Coyotes win every single game they have left on the schedule, <laughs> they will end the season. This is every game, 29 games remaining with 90 points. Still and, can't get 100. Uh, Colorado right now has 82 points. <laughs> uh, whoops. <laughs> maybe if the Colorado leaves it, maybe, maybe, hey, saying there's a chance. Never say never. Yeah, the tank is over. Well, speaking of the tank, Seattle moving dangerously close to the Coyotes on the bottom. Seattle's lost 10 straight, 06 and 1, 10 of the last 12. And Arizona, they're only five points ahead of Arizona, and Arizona has two games in hand. So (laughs) it's getting a little back off, back off Seattle. So we talked about the Coyotes playing against Montreal next week and Man, Seattle, get it together. McCann is out right now, which is a loss for them. Ugh. It's, it's turning. It went from a two-team race back to a three-team race for, for the – Seattle you know, looks like the worst team in the league, the way they're playing lately. They, they look terrible. They look like an expansion team. I've, yeah, I'm, I've been wondering about this one, if they're going to fall, just keep falling all the way back and, and, and end up in that number one spot. And don't count out those Buffalo Sabres who now have <laughs> lost six – straight they've lost six straight montreal's won five straight i know buffalo seems like they're way out there but we've seen this coyote team put two two and four wins together buffalo keeps losing this could be four teams i don't think any more than four buffalo seattle montreal arizona i think that's it um and more likely it's going to be three but good grief what and that's again we talk about rebuilds how excited can you be about this buffalo saber team over the last eight years, go look at their draft picks. Look where they've picked in the last eight years. And they're still going to be towards the bottom end and in last. I've talked oh, to boy. scouts who really like their system and think in a few years that they're going to be really good. And I maybe they're right. I just, it's the Buffalo Sabres. So I, I don't know. I, I just yeah. I don't have a lot of faith. I, I keep waiting for Buffalo to find a way to screw it up again. Tune into the soap opera. Tank well, watch 2022. Let's, let's hope that the Coyotes follow not in the footsteps of the Sabres or even necessarily the Oilers at this point, but more in the footsteps of some other teams who have gone through successful rebuilds. So we'll continue to keep tabs on all of that. Well, I the draft lottery can't come soon enough. The anxiety is is building as we get closer. Um, so a lot of big things happening in the coming months. We got 
the deadline later this month. We got the playoffs starting, the the draft lottery, the draft. So it's just the beginning here going forward into these last 30 or so games for teams. Any final thoughts on the NHL, the Coyotes, the world, anything that you just want to say in general about literally anything at all? Just uh, one thing uh, I just got a release from ASU. Um, Oakview Group and the university will – they'll – they will announce the naming rights partner for the uh, arena soon. Ooh. Coming, let's see on Thursday. Oh, all right. Exciting coming soon. So stay tuned for that one. That's is it PHNX stadium. <laughs> did, did Saul and Espo get that deal done? <laughs> PHNX arena. No. Man, that for the be... new community iceplex, I guess. <laughs> they got the restrooms on the concourse level. Brought to you by P. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Um, well, stay tuned for more this week. We'll have our post game show Thursday after Colorado. We'll see how the Coyotes do against Colorado after talking about the standings. Um, Coyotes, go ahead and lose that one, but keep it competitive because let's, let's, you know, make Colorado overthink a little bit. Um, so we'll be back for that. We'll have another audio episode Friday, another post game show for another matinee this coming Saturday. We've got a couple afternoon games, this East Coast trip coming up. It's like four and five o'clock games. It's perfect for the three of us. So um, we'll be looking forward to that. And as always, follow along on Twitter at PHNX underscore coyotes. We're getting close. We're getting close, PD. Get ready. Get get moving. Get stretching for that. TikTok dance because we're approaching <laughs> 3,000 followers at PHNX underscore coyotes. And that's where you'll find all of the links to all of our shows and audio episodes and retweet Craig, who does all the reporting. So at Craig S. Morning, Morgan <laughs> reporting at Craig S. Reporting. That should be your new at. Then maybe you won't be confused for a country music star. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be back um, live Thursday. So until then. We'll see everyone. We'll see everyone Thursday, I guess. Yeah. Have a great week, everyone.